Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, presented by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Well, we have, it's been good. I mean, I'm glad. I, I was a lonely person for a few days because I sent forth my wife to go minister the north, northern, northwest part of America. Mm -hmm. Where were you? I was in Idaho, a place called Coeur d'Alene. Really beautiful, beautiful part of the nation. Coeur d'Alene, you know what that means? It means, Coeur means lion. No, Coeur means heart. Yes. And Lane, the heart of a lion, I think that means. Anybody French? Coeur d'Alene. It I is think. heart of something, but... Yeah, I think I'm making it up, maybe. I, because I was there many years ago. It's really, really beautiful. But yes, we, um, as you know, we also participate in some arts communities too, in particular. And one, both of them are international. And um, uh, I was part of the leadership team for uh, Tabernacles Celebration at New Life uh, Church in Coeur d'Alene. And um, we had an explosion of glory and beauty and worship and craftsmanship and painting and flags and all of that. And actually, um, the Tabernacles is really a manifestation of the kind of mingling of just prophetic expression and prayer prophecy and um, beauty uh, manifest through the arts. So, yeah, I was there, and my part was to actually talk about beauty and how it's an essential part of the church's existential nature is to show forth the beauty, if you want to say it in this way, the glory of God in the earth. But... Um, we had an interesting dynamic there on uh, the second morning. The leadership team really recognized that the presence of the Lord was settling on us, and we went into a spontaneous time of corporate repentance and prayer for the church and for the nation. And we had a significant visitation. And it was interesting because in that setting of what we were there to do, you wouldn't have anticipated that a Joel 2 presence would, would be the way the Lord settled down. And so um, we, we had a very powerful uh, extended time of repenting prayer and deliverance for the church and for the nation, which I know was, was a very fitting and, and timely uh, event. And we're hearing more and more when I just say thanks again for all of you um, online and here who participated in our recent season of fasting and prayer. And we know that Isaiah 58 and 2 Chronicles 7.14 promise that when God's people recognize our 
destitute or are wandering and also humble ourselves to become identified with our city or our nation, our family, the churches um, lacks and return to the Lord. He promises an outpouring of restoration. And uh, what we witnessed um, in the gathering there in Idaho was really very significant and numerous people came and uh, remarked how touched they were. Uh, a sense of deliverance and cleansing came. A sense of renewal of hope for the direction of the nation came. And um, it was really beautiful. And we're hearing that these kind of corporate outbreaks of recognition of our desperate state as the church for the Lord to return to the presence of his people in manifest power and grace, that these things are beginning to happen more and more across our nation. So I have every hope that we are entering a season of God's response to the trouble, to the dark clouds that have been laid upon us. And really, if we take a look at uh, the specific events just in America um, between the uh, results, many layered results of the coronavirus pandemic, coupled with the utter confusion in our government and administrative institutions, the absolute perversion of values the supplanting of justice in so many ways, couple that with the economic threat, even in the discussions of uh, the mismanagement of our national resources and monies, which has gone on for so long, we're kind of in a, a trap that only God can deliver us from the fact that our national debt is greater than what we have to you know, deal with it. And then these floods of illegal immigration and then the debacle in Afghanistan. I mean, you look at all of these dynamics and you can read a kind of similitude to seasons in Israel's history that are in our Bibles that we can learn from that indicate these things began to manifest themselves as judgments from the Lord. And when those things began to show themselves so plainly, it is the obligation, the responsibility, the privilege, and the uh, assignment, the commission of the people of God to recognize what's happening and together to turn and come back to him. And as you were saying, we just came through the period of the last feast on God's calendar for the year, and it is preceded with that uh, time of holiness called the 10 days of awe that is a literal time of individual and corporate return to the Lord. And I just feel like there is a rhythm of things the Holy Spirit is pouring out and giving us grace. And as the church has prayed for revival, uniquely in the season that we're in, there is a kind of humbling and a returning to the Lord that his people are doing all across this nation. And in that, I have every hope 
that the Lord is going to visit us from on high with times and of refreshing and restoration. That he's going to pour out his spirit, which is, he has promised and given his word. That in the last days I'll pour out my spirit yeah. on all flesh. And we have had some pourings. But there were some notable prophecies given out more than 100 years ago at uh, one of the most profound revivals ever in history called the Azusa Street Revival led by a one-eyed black preacher named Papa Seymour. And then many other leaders were raised during that season of Azusa Revival. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth, Maria Woodward-Edder, etc., etc. And prophecies that they gave really powerful ones, but they said there would be a profound, mighty revival that would perhaps be ten times more powerful than Azusa a hundred years from that particular revival that took around 1908. And I had the privilege, by the way, of being chosen as the representative of the healing ministry, me and uh, Dr. F I mean, Francis McNutt. And uh, at the Los Angeles Stadium, and I was given the privilege, you might be able to find it on YouTube, uh, of welcoming what uh, 50 years before Oral Roberts had welcomed the Holy Spirit. They gave me the privilege of doing that on the 100 year celebration. So that's revival is one of the beautiful words talking about beauty. And uh, the Lord is indeed beautiful. So there are some things that we need Amen. to take a moment in our lives to pause and look at the beauty around you, recognize the beauty of the Lord. We have some of the most unique sunsets here in this area. And uh, in this city, when you come here and worship, I don't know what's happening, but one of the things is we are seeing an amazing restoration of animal life. We are seeing some of the most beautiful birds come make their homes around here. It's quite something. One day I was walking and meditating on the Lord, and I saw nine eagles flying. They came one by one. Every, every eagle, every few minutes would come, and nine eagles flew over my head. And I think they're making their home around here. Uh, but anyway, we thank the Lord for his beauty. And take some time and meditate in the book of Psalms because it's loaded with beauty, especially the beauty of the Lord and the beauty of how it's reflected in this church. And so we want to continue for a few minutes a meditation that we have been doing on the Apostles' Creed. And we began our session here of worship uh, by proclaiming the Apostles' Creed. By the way, it's among the things that you do by being, your beingness, and being a, a believer that you can make declarations and decrees that God gives you the authority to do so. In fact, it is the right time to make declarations. Um, that where you are, there shouldn't be when we can come together and take authority, Lord, we bind every power of drug trafficking and addiction in our city. Part of the 
root of lawlessness and violence is the addictive uh, spirit that hurts different sides of the of our city. And part of our duty is to pray for law and order, for our police, for our armed forces. May they be strengthened. So anyway, but I'll re re-say the Apostles' Creed and point out the one particular one that we have come to now. We have examined this, and this is so that we just don't say the words of the Apostles' Creed. There are multiple millions of believers over the generations who have declared, made this declaration. But something happens as you declare your belief in the living God, as you declare that Jesus Christ is real and that your atmosphere is sanctified as you call on the name of Jesus, that this area, your neighborhood, your house, is sanctified as you speak and take authority over any negative force around your home for the sake of your children and others. It says, I believe in God. The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God the Father Almighty. That itself changes the definition of your life, that you are a believer mm -hmm. in a supernatural God and in Jesus Christ, His only Son. So God is a triune being, and of course, we later on, we say the Holy Spirit was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered in the point of Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, is descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. So you believe in the resurrection. You believe in the supernatural. You believe that God's presence is with you and with everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And supernatural things happen. And that's one of the things that I, as I shared about my mom, but supernatural things have happened so many times. And, and don't take that for granted and note it down. Uh, for me, it was when things started happening and I said, wow, this is awesome. I'll write it down. And I started keeping a journal. And then, strangely enough, in the, in the mid-80s or so, uh, we had a call from uh, one of the leading Catholic publications in this land. And they said, the Lord spoke to us that we are supposed to publish your book. Can you believe a Catholic publishing us? Uh, it was charismatic. But, uh, and I told Bonnie, I said, they want to publish my book. I don't have a book. And Bonnie very wisely said, what about your journal? You have been keeping a journal for all the amazing things God has done in our lives, including the healing of our children, both our sons, and uh, how we met, how uh, the Lord came in my life, how the visitation of the Lord came, became real, things like that. And so they published our first book called Only Love Can Make a Miracle. And then Talking about beauty, I remember I was, you know, some of you politically correct may have to forgive me, but I was in a deer blind many, many years ago. That's where you wait 
and prayed that the deer will manifest. And, and I waited almost all day. And the Holy Spirit came and basically gave me an outline about, I think, about 12 points. Maybe plus more. But it became our, one of our biggest bestsellers. And it was the hidden power of prayer and fasting. And uh, in one day, the Lord gave the, as I was sitting in his beauty, admiring him, the Holy Spirit responded. And it's now been translated in 40 languages. And so, anyway, beauty has its products <laughs> for me. Holy Spirit came during that time. Anyway, it says, He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Um, basically, and of course, I added a little bit more on the commentary because of Jesus is risen. That in itself is a miracle. So you're recognizing the miracle all around you, and you're speaking miracles in your house, over your house, over your neighborhood. May God be mighty. Where the name of Jesus is lifted up, every knee bows, every tongue confesses. So today, since we focused on some of these confessions that millions of Christians have confessed. And part of our instructions from the Lord was that these are not just, just not just something you say, but something that's very meaningful and personal to you and to his believing body, the church. So this morning we want to take a few moments to comment on the part where it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the church universal, universal the communion of saints. And uh, we, wanted that we have come to that part. We have said previously, uh, commented on the church universal. Today, we just want to say a little bit more about the communion of saints. And what, if someone was to ask you, what, what do you believe about the communion of saints? What's, can you share with me something like, it says, you know, Jesus is resurrected. Can you tell me something about that? And here, it's communion of saints. In, yeah, I wanted to point out a scripture in Luke uh, chapter 18, verse uh, 9 onwards. It says, it's Jesus speaking. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, extortioners unjust, adulterers, or even, as they, even as these tax collectors standing beside me. <laughs> I fast twice a week, I give tithes, all that I possess, and the tax collector standing afar off, he would not come, even come near, uh, uh, said, uh, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, 
but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So this is, just wanted to, as I was meditating on the communion of saints, this is communion is one of the great words of the New Testament. Uh, the Greek word koinonia comes from that. The, the fellowship, your participation with others, to share in something. And here, like together, and of course, other believing get-togethers, churches, we share a faith in Jesus. We share a faith in the Word of God. We respect and share with each other. And different, we share with each other with, if we have had st with struggles for our children, health challenges that we are facing, or challenges where the job is concerned, or school. Where do your children go to school? What are they receiving? We were blessed when our children were little. We, had, we lived in Fort Lauderdale, and there was a, one of the, considered one of the leading, perhaps if not the number one Christian school there in the nation called Westminster Academy. The Dr. G. James Kennedy was the founder who was a great, great Presbyterian intellectual and pastor. Uh, but anyway, we share if we have problems in the family or in the neighborhood of addictions or divorce or we're going through depressions. Um, and, uh, but we find that this, we are, we are all believers. We share our faith in Jesus. But we certainly don't have, have our faith together. We are not, our, or our lives together. We are not those who are like the first one who stood there in Luke chapter 18. I am so perfect. I am awesome. Look at me, Lord. And uh, it's better to be like the tax collector. He was a humble man saying, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. So we are sinners who have been saved by the grace of God. We have turned our back on the kingdom of darkness and are partakers of his light and of his kingdom. Something supernatural, hopefully, has happened in our lives. And therefore, we have rejected following any darkness and received the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you read that in different biographies you find, whether there are some of the great revivalists, uh, Finney or John Wesley or some of the great hymn writers. And you find that all of them, they had, sometimes they fought great depressions or sometimes they had great tragedies in their lives. But they found faith and they never turned their back on the Lord. I mean, we are living in some of the most challenging times. Therefore, it is good for us to be together and to encourage each other and say, we'll make it. We are together. You're not alone. Tell your neighbor, you're not alone. I and think it, that, yeah. that 
the whole the church and the whole world uh, we've talked about this before but i think that the pandemic the global pandemic and the way that it is continually being distilled into divisions over mandates and restrictions and regulations and you know things that are a literal threat to physical health and communities well-being and all of those things but where it has really demonstrated something to the church is this momentary driving us out of personal fellowship and corporate worship. And I think that is one of the most remarkable things that gives us an opportunity to pause and hear from the Lord afresh about our identity as a kingdom of priests in the earth and recognize what this means. And um, one of the things that, re that is remarkable to me of the story from Luke 18 that Pastor just read is that those two men had a very different revelation of themselves as they stood there before the holy place in that place of prayer. Because in order to have gotten there, these were both Jewish men, obviously, so they were allowed into, beyond the outer court, into um, the place past these signs that were there that threatened any Gentile with death if they, you know, passed that boundary. But these two men had walked across the slaughter floor of the morning lambs. So one of them had the Pharisee, trusting in his own righteousness, had not had an epiphany as he walked through that slaughtering ground of all of these innocent animals that literally had had their blood shed for the forgiveness of the sins of the worshipers coming. On the other hand, the tax collector, with every one of those innocent lambs, he was recognizing an innocent life was given for my sin. And so that was the difference in their demeanor. One was in a moment of redemption epiphany, if you will, as he came. But the, the communion, communion of saints, as Pastor said, it indicates a sharing. But I, I would like for us to consider just a couple of things um, in Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. And I've chosen specifically uh, looking at the King James or the New King James because of the way that he uses some of the words. But in verse 11, Jesus says, And now I am no more in the world, but these, speaking of those who follow him, are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. So we see this direct communication, this conversation of Jesus speaking directly to the presence of the Father in their midst, and he is praying for believers. And he says, Holy Father, keep through your own name all those you have given me, and here's the thing, that they may be one. Say, that they may be one. That may be one. This is the very essence of of the intercession of Jesus as our high priest, as he's preparing to go to the Father. It's what he is leaving, the unction, if you will, that he is leaving, an intercessory covering, that they may be one. Say that they may be one. 
as we are, as we are. He's speaking into the revelation of the Trinity where it's three persons who are one in a majesty and a mystery that breaks your brain if you try to imagine it. But many of you have seen one of my favorite icons was uh, by a Russian um, artist named Andrei Rublev, uh, who lived between in uh, 1300 into the early 1400s. And he painted this particular icon from the inspiration of the three strangers that visited Abraham. And Abraham received them, if you remember, into his house, and he prepared a meal for them, and so on and so forth. But out of the inspiration of that scripture, he painted this icon as a depiction of the Trinity. And we see demonst- uh, 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 depicted in it, the father uh, would be... On, yeah, the father would be on this side with the mansion. You see the building behind him, the, the, the building behind him, and then the son in the middle, and then the Holy Spirit over there. But if you notice, the way um, Rublev depicted them, they all have the same face. They essentially all have the same body, the same person, but they're all clothed a little differently. And they're around a table in communion in which there is a chalice in the center with a sacrifice in it. And you see, if you can see it closely, they, their fingers are touching that table. Even that was an indication of the communion of the Trinity of God in one agreement, in one person with one strategy to redeem the whole of humanity through the offering of the Son. And their eyes are all deferring to one another. You can get a sense that their conversation is all sharing together. And in their unique diversity, if you will, there is a unity, a common unity that makes them one. And so in Jesus' high priestly prayer, this is his emphasis. He's, he's, uh, he knows the majesty of the Trinity of three persons in one, and that is the supernatural impartation that is being given to the many, many membered body of Christ, to the billions who will believe on the Lord Jesus, that we may together in the uniqueness of the grace of the Holy Spirit be able to, in fact, be one, though we are many. Say that they may be one. And it goes on in verse 21. Uh, In verse 20, he says, I don't pray for these alone. So in the moment there with his disciples around him in that generation, the living generation, but we come in to the picture right here. But for those who will believe on me through their word. And this is where the apostolic unction comes on the church where we understand that the first eyewitnesses and the apostles, their testimony, which has been given to us in the word of God, is a sure and certain testimony. And it is to that testimony that we cling and have believed in the Lord Jesus. But he goes on to say in verse 21, that they all may be one. Say that they all may be one. So there's a joining even of the generations. And we know that the writer uh, of the letter of Hebrews speaks of this 
um, when, when he speaks of the great cloud of witnesses that surround the, the believers to which the message comes, that there are literal successive generations of all those who have believed in the Lord. We see this again in the transfiguration where Jesus has taken his closest friends uh, Peter, James, and John up into the mountain, and they've had a, quite a trek to get up there. If you've ever been there in Israel, you will find it is quite a trek to go to that secret place that probably Jesus went up into the mountain uh, regularly to pray and commune with the Father. But this time, he took his disciples, some of his disciples with him, in order that they might see the realities of the realms of heaven and earth combining with the living Lord of glory. And as Jesus was transfigured, there were two other guys that were there. They were not spirits. It wasn't a trance. They weren't ghosts. But actually, the eternal spirit of uh, Moses and Elijah now made perfect um, in the presence of the Lord were there on the mountain talking with Jesus. And their conversation woke the disciples up. And um, you remember Peter wanted to just stay on the mountain. But that's not what that event was for. It was a commissioning for them. Say that they may be one. They may be one. In verse 21, and then in verse 22, he says, And the glory which you gave me, I've given them. Say glory. Have you received the glory of God? You have. You've received Christ into your very heart and life. And this is a dynamic work of the person of the Holy Spirit who now abides in us. And so there is a melding together. There is a mixing together, a communing of our spirits with the Spirit of God. And in that communion, we also share with every other believer in past generations and in generations to come. This is such a miracle. I pray that we will get a fresh sense of how supernatural we really are. I just want to share the urgency of this idea at this time because this week has been somewhat, for me it's been a little bit, not traumatic is not the right word, but it really shows what's happening right now, there are things that I never thought I would see. For example, the kind of uh, control and mandates that have been coming down in New Zealand, for example, or Australia. And uh, it's really strange that they have lockdowns in Australia in the western part. I mean, in, in the eastern part, sorry. And in the western part, they are, they are not in lockdown. They don't have to be wear masks, but wherever they can, and even in Canada, you'll find there has been a particular kind of persecution and division and attention being paid to churches that they are not letting people get together, that you have to get permission from the government to even get together for a small crowd, I think even 20 or so, and it, it's you see the forces that want to keep, especially us as believers, separate from each other. That there is a, I am, I would say, almost a demonic power that is trying to keep us mm -hmm. separate 
And so, and then yeah. there are symptoms that, as a pastor, I've noticed that this has not been a common thing in past. There have been there incidences, but not to this degree of anxiety attacks, of panic attacks, of fear, of loneliness, and even suicides, that people being dribbled. So God blessing is on us as as often as we can, the Bible says, often as you can, come together. And uh, so, and keep, we, that by itself keeps away depression and isolation. And we, so the God encourages us to come together, communion, not be separate, but we're separate from darkness, separated from uh, the kingdom of darkness. We are part of the kingdom of light. But we share then, together, we share the love of God. We share, share here, we, we love our nation and we pray for our nation. We love Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, we love our flag. We honor our armed forces. We appreciate uh, law enforcement agencies. And... Uh, we, and we share, are able in the communion together. We share our victories. And for us, particularly, I mean, last week was such a delight as little Eva, <laughs> nine years old, won some of the biggest awards. And we were all clapping. And this was, Diana, what, what, it was the, what's the, can you get a mic? To her, so. it was Charlotte's Fashion Week, uh-huh. and Eva was nine years old and the youngest fashion designer showcasing. The youngest. The youngest fashion designer. How about that? But I could see. Thank you so much. Uh, the, in a good way, the pride, and we were all proud of Eva. We were all proud of the obesity. Amen. So, this is part of the sharing that this is how we live for Jesus and share. Our, we are able to share our struggles, our victories together. And that's the part. Of, and then we have the privilege and the joy of communicating the gospel. Uh, the real Christian life lived in community. And the opposite, the enemy will try to keep us apart and isolated. Mm-hmm. And that is not from the Holy Spirit. And we are not walking in pride. We want to, and it helps us to walk in humility with each other. And when someone does not value that part, the communion of the saints, something is not all all right. And it's something that we need to pray about if people are avoiding community and and faith and being able to be together with others. Now, there are different styles, different tastes people have. That's fine. But there is a communion of saints. And uh, and there is a connection of people who have also gone ahead of us and they're watching us and encouraging us. Mm-hmm. Amen. 
So finish your thought. So in verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I've given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Like we saw depicted there in uh, Rublev's um, attempt to illustrate the three persons in one in the Godhead community and communion. I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect or complete in one. Say complete in one. Complete in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and love them like you love me. So notice the significance of the power of the revelation of the fact that we share the Spirit of God. And in that sharing of Him, we are joined to one another. And this happens, you can, you, you've experienced many testimonies of this, and one of the most frequent way that it happens is when a believer will come to your mind just out of the blue as you're going about your daily business. And suddenly you'll think of someone, maybe you haven't seen them in a while, maybe, you know, whatever the circumstance may be. But when they come to your mind, guess what that is? That is the person of the Holy Spirit who shares in them, who is joining you to them and encouraging you to stand with them and for them in God in prayer. And that is a dynamic way of strengthening, of edifying, of building up the body of Christ. It's one of the most common ways that you will experience the reality of the communion of saints. And that is when uh, believers come to your mind. A couple of the other places in Scripture that are emphasized for me in this communion of saints is, of course, in 1 Corinthians 12, speaking of the gifts. And it, the, the verbiage there is using again and again this word of diversities of gifts, diversities of administrations, diversities of various things, the same spirit, diversities of something, the same Lord, diversities of something, the same God who is in all in all. So this is a unique sharing. There is no other human community or organization that is supernaturally made part of one another like the organism that is the church of Jesus. And that is why also it's so essential for us to recognize the power that we have because we have been made living members of the body of Christ. And um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 14, he says, for the body is not one member, but many members. Say, the body. The body. Many members. Many members. One body. Many. One. Diversities of gifts. The same spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. And then um, the other thing, Mahesh, is I was, I was thinking about this, of course, is from Ephesians 4. And again, it's this uh, comparing of these words where we go from one to many or from each to one whole. 
And in verses 7 and 16, it speaks and says, To each grace is given that the whole body is joined and fit together by which every joint supplies. And that's, you know, that perfecting in love, that building up that, it, that um, is there. Um, and then in 1 John 1, he says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Fellowship. Say fellowship. Fellowship. That's that joining. That's that communing. And it's very clear in Scripture in the writings of Paul and, and even the example of Jesus, as Pastor was pointing out, that we share in rejoicing and we share in suffering. We had two amazing testimonies of uh, folks overcoming cancer that we celebrated together with them, one uh, of the families that is a part of this extended fellowship that's in Brazil that had a beautiful testimony about overcoming the threat of cancer um, in their young daughter. And then, of course, we, we shared here uh, with one of our brothers, one of the members of this church who celebrated last week being cancer-free. So those rejoicings are ours, but also the, the fellowship of the sufferings. But there is a power and an ability in it. I'll never forget when Ben, our first son, was in the hospital and um, they had given him up beyond medical uh, care and ability and told us that within the next few hours he would be dying. There wasn't anything they could do. And the burden of it and the desperation of it was so terrible. But we had a, a particular home group in the church that we led with Brother Derek in Fort Lauderdale. And they literally took that burden of our son's life on. And... Uh, called a fast, and so together the whole group uh, entered into a time of fasting, and they also went without sleep. They literally watched and prayed through the night in this 24-hour period. And I experienced something where the burden and dread and desperation that was on me individually got disseminated somehow and picked up by those folks who had entered into prayer and fasting and watching with us. And yes, in that corporiety, that empowerment, God came within that 24-hour period and literally did a physical miracle in Ben's body and turned him around so that there was a facility then for the medical to come alongside. But I, I'll never forget that the advent of God's presence and the, the sharing out of that suffering and burden that was, you know, otherwise literally in my body and in my mind. And in that, the Lord spoke to me and in, uh, in that relief and refocused me on where I needed to be operating in the grace and hope and joy of God. But I can tell you, because they shared in the fellowship of that suffering in those prayers, it literally lifted off of me and enabled me to then do the part that I was supposed to play in the whole story. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit is very faithful in that, that he will wake you up, that he will give you, that you share. I remember many, many moons ago talking about uh, Lenny and Patty and their son marrying our daughter, our daughter named Anna. But she was, before she got married, she was barely finishing high school, and she was, but she was, had a driver's license, and, and somehow she was involved in a crash that could have killed her. 
But I remembered that day, number one, the Lord told me to tell Anna, today you have been, I mean, all, every, all through the year you've been driving this car, but tomorrow you're going to drive mom's car, which was, had all kinds of airbags and all that. And it's, the airbags were very much involved in saving her life. But someone called from Atlanta mm-hmm. that had been in prayer all yeah. night long saying, we love Pastor Bonnie and Mahesh. And, and I was up all night praying for their family and praying for their daughter. Is everything all right? Yeah, that phone call and came it, to our office within minutes after we got the news about this terrible crash and Ed rushed to the crash scene. And the phone rang at the office, and as Mahesh said, it was this woman that had entered into this place of intercession. So that's, that's another example of part the of communion the of saints, and the fellowship. There is a share. scripture in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 Onward says, now the multitude of those multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Say one heart. One heart. One soul. And one soul. And neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Say great grace. Great grace. So it's the communion of saints. There are multitude, but they were as one. And then it goes on to tell us uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, writing to the church, says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So this is the communion of saints. It is not thought of in the... The Catholic saints were very amazing, super Christians in the history that have been elevated to a certain position. Now that's, you know, there have been people in history like that. But this is, right now, at this time, we are all together called the Church of God, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs yeah. and ours. That's so, it's communion of saints. It's, we are joined to believers, and we have seen them. So Singapore, or Korea, or Brazil, or Kenya. I mean, but there's a communion of saints. And, uh, but these are, these are regular believers the, the word saint is given to every true follower of Jesus Christ, not those who are perfect. We are all challenged one way or another. And I remember at a pretty early age in my pastorate, the, the Lord with his grace and anointing. But I, I, we were with wonderful, amazing authors and leaders like not only Brother Derek Prince, but Don Basham, Bob Mumford, Ern Baxter, some of those guys. But in that, I remembered that would, I was uh, kind of like, gave me the specialty of being a troubleshooter, sending me out to different places to help uh, churches and leaders. 
But I remember what I want to say is nobody, I want to say nobody is perfect like Jesus Christ. We all have had our challenges. There are people who go through depressions or they have addictions in their family or they have depressions or things like that. And yet, they've lived for God. They've taken up the challenges. So the communion of saints is not supernatural super beings, but it's regular people facing challenges, but they know that we are together. We are one body and that we are family and we can share. Amen. So, Proverbs 18, 18 says, The one who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. Isn't that profound? And That's I think awesome. ab about a sense of forced isolation um, by implication or regulation that has come upon all of us in this last two years. And the significance of believers recognizing that we have been given the Spirit of God, an inheritance, and a commission in Jesus that in the midst of this present darkness rises in a very practical and sound way in light and wisdom. And again, the significance of being a member of the living body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our head seated in heaven, but his body a living reality that encompasses generations and draws us into direct activity and revelation that we being many are one body. And of course, when we take communion, we are demonstrating and proclaiming every time this mystery that is we have become joined as members of the living God, as his family. Amen. I'll just end here, and then we'll pray. But uh, I'm always so blessed to see as we come together and worship, and the worship team helps us. And, but there's something that happened. If you have a fireplace in your home, you may have noticed <laughs> this, uh, or gone hunting and made your own fire. But you realize that the heat of each of those logs or coals helps the other one, that as we are together, I love seeing those little young ladies dancing before the Lord yeah. and enjoy. And it, you may not totally realize, but something supernatural is happening that we are like those living coals. We are on fire. And my fire and my faith helps her, or her fire. That heat helps me, and I am on fire. But if you see how, if you want to douse that fire, you just separate. 
those calls and very quickly they will go out. It's when they are mm -hmm. together that the heat yeah. and the fire of each other helps. And at this time, in this hour, as we see the confusion out there and the mandates, governors standing up declaring themselves apostles, yeah. wanting us to follow them. <laughs> uh, it's good that we can come together and share. And above all, share in communion and worship and praise and thanks. And may we all be there. May my fire encourage your fire. Amen. May your fire Amen. be strong. May we all remain strong till Jesus tells us it's time to go visit him and be together with him. But we are grateful to give thanks for the communion of saints. We are grateful for each of you. We are grateful for the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit being with us. and We welcome that fire. It, you, you came, Lord. Your fire came on us. In Acts chapter 2, tongues of fire were on each believer. Lord, that was an indication that your fire is in us. May we encourage each other's fire. And may the fire that we have, we have been contacted by saints who follow us from Brazil and Singapore and Korea and Kenya and Jamaica different parts of the world. May we keep on being on fire. Lord, each of us keep the fire going. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Fill us. And those who need a refilling, come, fill us again. And may the fire burn like never before. Let the church be burned with faith and love and joy and power and worship and praise as never before, Lord. Let our fire never go out, but burn more and more as the day approaches. Father, we look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus. We thank you that you set such a fire, it'll never go out. And that is the church, the believing army of the Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, bless each one here and every family. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.